Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Jay Anelli. I'm Lorelai Weissel-Labrizzi. I'm Chris Delano. And today we have with us a special guest, Reinhardt Suarez, the author of the modern day track of the Brothers War Stories. Welcome, Reinhardt. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself first. Where, if, if people enjoyed your stories here, what else of yours might they go check out? I guess, honestly, uh, I don't actually write, I, I don't have a lot of written uh, uh, fantasy fiction. Um, a, most of my uh, publications are like invisible. Like I work in uh, online education. So there's a lot of, uh, a lot of like, nursing courses that are actually written by me, ghostwritten by me, kind of. Oh, but, okay. um, <laughs> but I have a couple of um, contemporary young adult novels that I've written about video games and international travel. Um, and you can find out about them at my website, which is the Reinhardt experience dot com. Um, other than that, like, you know, I just like to I just like to hang out. <laughs> I love that name. It is definitely the Reinhardt experience. <laughs> 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 so what is you are obviously i mean i i've said this online when like your stories have come out but you are very much a deep cut machine uh what is your experience with magic like what's your background so i actually first played magic i had to work it out but i believe it was right before the dark came out so i think the latest expansion was legends okay um and so that's when I started playing. I started, I mean, I was a kid. Uh, I was like 12 or 13. And uh, we played as Garfield intended. We we played magic in between D&D sessions. So when the DM was preparing for the next adventure, we just grab a couple of decks uh, that me and my friends had and we, we would play. We actually had, um, we had magic. We had a rotation, right, of card games. We had mm -hmm. magic. We had Spellfire that we played a lot. And, you know, I actually, back in the day, was more partial to Spellfire because I liked the characters. Because um, I read I read the books that went along with, like, The Forgotten Realms and Ravenloft and Dragonlance. Mm -hmm. um, so that's when I got started. And, you know, I stopped uh, playing for about 20 years. So right around, I think, 1995 or 1996, I stopped playing because my friends and I we were like, oh, man, we're, we're like poor 13-year-olds, poor 14-year-olds. We, <laughs> we don't have money for, for all these games. We can pick one game, and we're obviously going to pick the best one, which was Spellfire. <laughs> so we just spent all our money on Spellfire cards. We're like, oh, this is great. And then nobody played the game, and then Magic cards became infinitely more valuable. Um, so Amazing. for, <laughs> so for 20 years, I wasn't playing. And then in 2016, uh, my wife and I moved to Columbia, Missouri. And, uh, one of her coworkers who was a fellow professor, he just, you know, he was, he put, a like a message or he told my wife, he was like, Hey, you know, if you, if you or anyone, you know, wants to go join this magic, the gathering league, you know, we'd love to have you. And I was like, you know, that's a great way to meet people. I would love to just, you know, hang out with people because I don't know anyone in town. So I went over to the the Magic League and I, I fell in love again. It was uh, Eldritch Moon into Kaladesh. Yeah. And it was, mm -hmm. oh my God, it was like, it was so, I'm like, zombies and where's the mana burn and you know all this <laughs> stuff like very much like crash course and back in and you know at the same time i i learned about all these characters i was like oh what who's um who's this liliana who's chandra and all that stuff i went back and i bought uh uh the duels of the planeswalkers games on steam and i started playing that i'm like Oh, this Karn guy, he's like, an, he looks evil. You know, I, 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 had no, I had no idea who anyone was, but it was just so fun to play this card game. And uh, slowly I learned more and more about the, the, the current day story. And uh, I really, I really grew to love it. And, you know, my friends and I there, and then when I moved back to Minnesota, so I, I live in Minneapolis right now. Oh, Minnesota. I had lived, yep. I, and I, I lived uh, in Minneapolis before we moved to Columbia. So I came back and touched base with friends and they were all playing 
Magic the Gathering at, at a local card store. And I'm like, oh man, this is great. And War of the Sparks come in. And so we were we were following War of the Spark. And when Dominaria came out, I'm like, this is so cool. Like <laughs> these are characters that are from from when I was playing. Like they're coming back. That's so great. And that's when I really dove into the lore. Um, so that's kind of where I I came from with magic. And I, you know, <laughs> to be very honest. I didn't get into the Brothers War lore until I was contacted. I mean, I, I knew about it, but I didn't actually dive in fully until I was contacted about possibly writing it. I mean, that's perfectly fine. Like, I had to reread the Brothers War to to remember everything that happened <laughs> for all of this. I think, like, everyone on the team read that book, like, twice, and I feel so bad for them. Because it is a pretty good magic book, but it's not a read twice in a row good kind of magic. It's, it's heavy oh my yeah, god yeah yeah it's it's depressing thankfully miguel like from miguel's side we're not going to talk about miguel's stories here but miguel like he went full tamino with it he's like this is depressing war is hell like we're gonna have some cool robots book, but also i'm gonna make you hate everything that, that but that's the book yeah that's no book. it's it's perfect <laughs> it, it's perfect it's so good he did an uh, uh, incredible inc- i mean he's just a superstar uh, he, he, he had a little contact with the, um, tax team when we were working on it and he was very fun to work with. Yeah. Miguel's a great guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're here to talk about Reinhardt. Yeah. Uh, because these, both of these stories have just been really, really well received. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about, uh, how much you got to shape the present day story. So obviously we've got like 40 story spotlights only three of them pertained to what you were doing. So was was it a pretty blank slate, would you say? I, you know, and, and I, I'm not sure what, you know, other kind of, uh, what, what the experiences of other people who have been carrying forward the, the like, a, the current story. I did feel that I had a pretty wide berth. I was, I was given a lot of flexibility with how I wanted to go. Um you know, um, the story team gave me the basic plot points of of actually both uh, storylines, the present and past, and um, they kind of were like, um, you know, when, you know, these are important to hit, but they're, you know, we want you to fill in the details and really make it character oriented. Yeah. Um, and which was really awesome because that's kind of the kind of story I really like. Is like deep character, and you know, uh, I actually didn't get to read many of Miguel's side of the stories until they came out to the public. I only got to read the the last one, which directly interfaced with with um like Teferi with your episode five. Yeah, yeah exactly, and and I see why they kind of wanted that way. You know, his stories are very. In the action, very like gritty and and amazing, and I think the idea was to create like a different flavor, mm-hmm. so that you weren't you you weren't um, you it wasn't the same thing for ten stories. It was there was a lot of um, interplay, and and you you could get a lot of really cool juxtapositions between them. Um, but yeah, def- definitely, I think I. I did get a, a lot of freedom for good or for ill, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll talk about both of that. So we were talking a little bit before the show about how Reinhardt is my nemesis here in the, in the <laughs> author arena of all of the authors. Uh, Reinhardt is my nemesis because uh, when I'm working on a Reinhardt story, as opposed to most other stories where I'm, I'm usually like adding things Like I am saying, oh, well, here's a cool connection you could include or, oh, this character you've written would actually be perfect if it was this other legend. We'd only need to tweak a couple things. Um, That kind of editing, continuity editing work. With Reinhardt, I am going through and I realized this from his his Innistrad story where he references a Cathar from the Dak Faden comics and I'm like, I, I know I like this guy. I knew I like this guy. <laughs> but this one in particular, uh, he there was so much because like this is already dealing with like deep cuts and Reinhardt was already a deep cut machine. It was more like uh, I had to 
not battle him. That that that's a negative connotation. No, no, like, no. We definitely shape like which are which deep cuts are the ones that are going to be most impactful. What silliness can we get away with? Uh, and and that kind of thing. Like it is, it's a very different experience working with Reinhardt on these. It's I mean, a lot of fun. You, you you can get away with catching everyone up with the thrilling rest of the life of freaking Aaron on a bant. (laughs) (laughs) I think something that I learned um, was, I mean, number one, I I always approach whatever story that I'm doing as if it's my last, you know, with, with magic, because I, I didn't, I never want to look back and say, I didn't give everything. I didn't like, go and rob other people's kitchen sinks to throw in. I, I want to be able to say that I did that so that, you know, I, I want I, the I want the readers and the fans to know that, like, I feel incredibly privileged to to be working with, you know, these amazing stories. Mm-hmm. I, I really love I've grown to love them. And uh, so, of course, like I get really excited that there were a couple points in specifically there were a couple points that Jay made where he's like, oh, you know, maybe this could be a connection that that could be done. And I'm like, oh, my God, yes, <laughs> that is the greatest idea. You are a genius. You know, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. I, I, you know, it, it was important for me to access and, and kind of try it. It, it sounds so this sounds so like hyperbolic but i wanted to try and unify some of this some of the more disparate parts of this multiverse universe you know this storyscape i guess mm-hmm. so that it um it would feel even more like this living place mm-hmm. um this this wasn't easy cuz like you were handed a bunch of characters that are really important that had never met before uh-huh. yes. that were all grieving for a variety of reasons. And like, I, what I really liked is how beautifully you made them feel organic in the world together. Like thinking specifically about how, um, during the story you bring together Joda, Chandra and, uh, Elspeth all in their grief together. And it's like connecting so much right there. Is amazing. I mean that you know, and I am not bashful about giving credit to. I mean that was Grace's idea. <laughs> Grace, uh, one of the um, Grace Fong, yeah, one of the, yeah, one Grace of Fong, team. very talented story uh, part of the story team. Um, I actually that here here's something uh, that scene actually originally took place in another story with other characters. And um, in one of the comments back and forth on the story outline, we one thing that um, Miguel and I thought strongly about was making a five story, like a big outline so that we could shape um, the trajectory across the five stories. That's why they're chapters. That's why I call them chapters is that they're like chapter one, because it really is trying to be a unified story, even though they have different POV characters. Mm-hmm. But originally it was like Joda and someone else. And then Griff was like, you know, it would be really cool to have Chandra in this. I'm like, duh. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I, why, why didn't I do that? So it kind of got moved and reshaped. And I really, uh, and it, the, man, this was, I'll happily take the credit, it is fine. But this was a team effort. It really was. You know, they all are. Yeah, we'll say that. I mean, mm-hmm. so there's two things I'll say, because a lot of the authors are very humble. Like, we do offer, like, suggestions, right? Like, but the ability to write it well and have it be so well-received is really, I mean, that is that is not something the editors can do for the author. Uh, so, I mean, it's, I think you are very well-suited for this particular story, uh, because like you, I mean, some of the other authors have a, have a great deal of like deep lore knowledge as well, I should mention, but, um, for all the disparate parts here, uh, we had, you were probably the the best author to tackle this. I was very, yeah, I was very happy to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I really liked that scene in particular, um, 
because like we get the heartfelt mom with Joda and Chandra, like the kind of the the beginning and the end point of Jaya's life, getting to drunkenly reminisce and celebrate her. Um, and then Chandra gets to have this moment at the end of that scene uh, with Elspeth of remembering, you know, a, a Johnny and grieving his uh, corruption to Phyrexia. And so Chandra gets to be kind of this bridge through the scene of which the grief passes. And then um, that grief gets to reinvigorate Elspeth and send her on to the rest of the part of that story. And it's just this little moment with a lot of emotion with three characters who don't know each other. Um, I think Chandra and Joda meant for like five seconds in the Dominaria story. Um, and... Uh, yeah, no, just like just just the way you navigated a lot of those little interactions was really really good. I I, re I really enjoyed them. It's very fun, especially when we get towards the end of the story and uh, you have Joda and Jace meet, and it's sort it's of like so the good. recognition that like this is this is the first time those two characters have met, like two major characters in Magic's history. They didn't kiss though. Not yet. Not yet. There's still time. There's still time. <laughs> that was one where we definitely were like, all right, well we've got. A few minutes at the end here, and we were just like, what if, what if Joda just hated Jace's guts? Like, what if he's just like, <laughs> you are not as cool as you think, buddy. <laughs> yeah, no, he, yeah. He, he joins the list of characters who have scathing takedowns of Jace after spending very little time with him. Uh, and I'm a big fan of every time that happens in a story. I think it's just funny that that's a thing that happens to Jace. But you, you, I, and maybe some people noticed or it's not i mean that i couldn't help myself even in that moment when so when joda says you're not the first mind mage that i've i've encountered i'm like yeah 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 that's marisol right there uh huh <laughs> <laughs> i i couldn't help it i had to <laughs> all right oh, and yeah. like something like that though works on like hey if you know joda's history and you know marisol that's like oh he's definitely referencing marisol but if you don't know it doesn't Joda's take history. away mm -hmm. that line just reads as hey joda is old and has seen a lot of shit and and that that's like fantastic little like uh around the corner reference uh yeah that's an that's great. an excellent point i think that's mm -hmm. the hardest part right reinhardt mm -hmm. to navigate it, absolutely is, what is the deep cut that we can do and is this gonna be like distracting or is this can is can this be like a cheer moment for fans in the know while making sense to anyone who doesn't? I think that is definitely the hardest part to know. That's a lesson, right? And and that's really where you and the and other members of the story team really helped me. Because, you know, I'm just so excited to put everything in. <laughs> and uh -huh something that has to be done is to give the audience because we have we have readers who are coming in you know in the last couple of years and readers who mm -hmm. were there in alpha and you want to be able to engage both without alienating anybody mm -hmm. and leaving room for their imaginations um one part that i think was this was really apparent to me was in the beginning there um teferi was explaining to joda yeah i've been i've been planeswalking trying to recruit people i got ren you know, and then he ex then the narration explains he's tried to get other people, but mo you know they laughed at him. Um, and you know, it was it's a much better passage when I don't include names because then mm. it's so much fun for readers to be like, oh, who who did he try to recruit? Ram, obviously. <laughs> and it also, I would say, for for like an, as someone who has to pay attention to the overarching story. Like, it gives the future room to do fun things. Like, point. you know, instead of being a list that we have to remember, it's, this could be a fun callback. Who told Jay, who told Teferi to go, you know, screw himself when he asked yeah. for help? Ram! Yeah. I mean, there's some pretty easy guesses. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's, I think this is a great organic time to move on to... Um, well, you mentioned before that each chapter has like a different POV uh, and then occasionally Joda has like, I think episode chapter two has like a Joda POV at the end. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, 
who was your favorite of these characters to write? Uh, I don't know what this says about me, but I really love Tezzeret. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, I'm, I'm going I'm to tell you what that says about you, and it means you have good taste. <laughs> I love writing that stinky little man. Yeah, he's just, it's so much fun to write, like, this kind of snivelly, I, I wouldn't call him snivelly, but he's definitely, he's like... savvy. He kn- yes, he know- yes. He knows, like, he doesn't believe in heroes and villains, but he knows that there are people who believe themselves to be heroes and see him as a villain, and he doesn't care. But he, <laughs> he doesn't care. It up. But he also, he also kind of hates people who call themselves heroes because he doesn't believe that that's possible. Uh-huh. Right, yeah, yeah. And he's uh-huh. like, he he also sets, like, people up. You know, Jace, how is Jace Balaran of all people, thinking of himself a hero, that he's better than me, right? Like, that is uh-huh. such, because Jace, he's like, Jace was willing to do anything for a little bit of knowledge when he was working for me, and then he chickened right. out, and now he calls himself a hero. Exactly. Um, I, I just had so much fun writing him, you know, kind of returning to the scene of several crimes in New Phyrexia, <laughs> but also having a curious interaction with Elspeth. Like, mm-hmm. you know, is he a hero? I mean, I, I don't think he's a hero. I don't think he's making a hero turn. I don't know uh, what the future is in store for him, but um, I really wanted him to skirt that line of, he, you know that he's acting for himself, but that's mm-hmm. all you know. It's it's sort of like my one of my favorite ways and this is kind of silly one of my favorite ways to play a dnd character is yeah uh, you yeah play you play an evil dnd character and you're in a party full of heroes who are all good and it's sort of just a really fun way to like play off of them and it's like i'm here for myself and the fact that we're killing this ancient lich lord together as a group that i have no allegiance to you i have allegiance to killing this ancient lich lord <laughs> and it's a really fun character to play and it's also sort of like tezzeret's role where it's like you know he's like we, we know from the story that he's acting against Elishnorn, but he's not doing it to help them. <laughs> this is all about himself, you know? Mm-hmm. He's, he's, yeah. And I think what complicates Tezzeret is that he's not just taking up the anti-hero role. Like, I love anti-heroes, but he is also just doing Elishnorn's bidding. He really has been carting <laughs> the Praetors around. He really has been moving armies oh, yeah. into planes. He's actually just doing the bad stuff, too. Um... And as a guy who doesn't believe in, like, good and evil, he sees no problem in any of this. He sees he sees things in the context of, hey, what is good for me? What gets me what I want? He's very pragmatic that way. Like, hey, how, how much, uh, like, I really love the scene uh, when they started dismantling Karn and he's trying to leave and the angel is barring his way and he keeps trying to get out of that room. Uh, and he doesn't put up with like any of the Phyrexian protocol because it's like, hey, this is all a waste of time until he finally relents uh, because he realizes, hey, I'm not going to get what I want in this situation. So I will pout and do it your way for the time being. Uh, and that that's just Tezzeret, right? Like, he's great. Speaking of the Tezzeret episode, uh, there's some Nicol Bolas lore in there, so I just wanted to let you know I appreciate that as the Nicol Bolas fan <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> uh, I, I loved those, yes, those moments. What what I will say at least about a part of that uh, is like during the one thing that always bothered me during the Bolas arc was... Um, well, quote unquote during the Bolas arc is like what Tezzeret was doing on new phyrexia in the first place and i think we got like a a one a line in there that finally explains it that he was looking for officially looking for that interplanar technology yeah he was he was there he was sent there to to report back on whether or not they had been able to actually move non-planeswalkers across planes and that they hadn't but if they do it'd be bad so (laughs) um it was it was just like Someone alert Brady. We caught one of the footballs he tossed up 11 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> the That one was a lot of fun to fit things into because, um, I mean, it was such... This one was one that you could basically... You you had complete free reign over this because this yeah. isn't on the cards at all or anywhere, right? Yeah, and I remember there weren't as many... I mean, there was a lot written about 
Tesseret psychology and what is, you know, what he's after. Um, but as far as plot points for this specific story, they, they, this was a lot more organic. Um, and, you know, a lot of it was shaped in that outline uh, process. And a lot, you know, like there were some w- really wonderful. Uh, <laughs> there, I think, I think it might have been Grace again who was like, you know, what would be awesome if we co- totally dismember Karn, just, <laughs> just cut him apart. And I'm like, oh my god, okay. <laughs> this, was, this was a fun one too because it's like a bridge, uh, a bridge story between Dominari United and what's been coming, uh, what's been happening, and what's coming in one. Uh, so Grace is the story lead for one. Uh, Miguel was the story lead for Bro, and then um, we also like everyone was very engaged on this one in particular because there were elements that mattered to everything mm-hmm. they were working on elsewhere. So it was a really fun collaborative environment putting this one together. Yeah, and that that was important uh, because I was very aware that you know I was taking the baton from uh, Langley Hyde and passing on a baton to whatever future writer is going to be writing. So I I needed to very much trust and have faith in the story team. Like if they say something, it's that's 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 what it has to be, you know. Like, um, and if if we if we were ever at like a disagreement, that all I would have to do is this is my case, and if they're like, yeah, okay, or if they're like, no, actually, we need to change it. All right, there it is. Um, because we this is still a multi-part story and you know i am personally writing toward something that the story team knows that i don't know so i just have to trust that the the ends when i the the actual baton is the right baton to talk to to hand over so let's talk about a character that we i mean we've touched on a lot of the different characters and their arcs in this let's talk about sahili because you got to do something fun in sahil in sahili's story uh, which was, for one thing, my favorite part was naming her family. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> which I think so, we went back and forth on a little bit, but yeah. We we did, and I, I really liked I really liked that conversation. So actually, so of all the stories, the Sahili story was the hardest to write. And that is because uh, of all the characters, of all the point of view characters that we kind of selected... When I went back and I read all of Sahili's stories, she wasn't ever really the focus mm-hmm. of any story mm-hmm. that she appeared in. She was either in Rashmi's stories or involved with the Gatewatch during their operations. You got to know her in the moment, but you didn't really get to know her past. So, oh my gosh, so in total... I actually wrote almost 30,000 words for that story through on three drafts, three completely different drafts. Yeah, that one did go through a lot of changes. Yeah, That's two right. two of which the story team saw, one of which I finished and I was like, this isn't going to work. Uh. I really like the story, <laughs> but it's not going to work. So I had to start again. And I think every time I learned a little bit more about her. And so one of the big things, so I, I come from a really weirdly giant international family and i have a giant i have a whole wing of my family which is indian and so um i wanted to kind of reflect a little bit of that in the fact that she's got a giant family Mm -hmm. and and so you know to name her her parents and to name her brothers and sisters and to show the cousins she's an auntie you know Mm -hmm. she's and uh so in naming her uh family I use some of the names of my family and, and, <laughs> and, you know, Jay having experience also with Indian family. Jay and Ellie being the Gora husband to a whole, <laughs> I've got like seven, no, not, not really. I've got, um, let's see my, my, uh, mother-in-law, father-in-law, brother-in-law, sister-in-law, wife, and three children. There are three children downstairs, two of which are mine <laughs> that are all Indian. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right so, now. I think we had a little, we had some fun kind of uh, coming up with names that would would sound good together, you know, as a family. So, um, so for those of you who don't know how like Indian parents sometimes name their kids is like names can are very matchy matchy. Like, um, 
For instance, my wife's name is Garima. Her brother's name is Garov. They both mean the same thing, essentially. It's like the the, the male and female version of the name. Uh, so we did a little bit of that with this and a few names that like meant the same thing as Sahili. So like Sahel is like the, the I believe, if I remember clerically, is like the male version of what would be Sahili. Yeah, like I have, a, I have a cousin. His name is Rohit and his wife's name is Rohita. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. Yes. Yep. Uh but I I really like that. I mean cuz it it did go through revisions. I think this the the latest one it's stronger for all of that, but I think uh, so. The um I liked going back in time to like I don't recall. I think it's before Sahili was a planeswalker. I don't recall exactly how, what we established with that. But yeah, yeah I, it was because I think, oh my God, how many drafts? I, I think there was a line in there where she, I think she said like, oh, I wish I could uh, transport myself elsewhere. So that was <laughs> kind of the, the hint that she couldn't do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I love that and bringing in Ganti because they hadn't really appeared in any stories so far. That was a great uh, kind of inclusion and characterization for this character who's like big in the cards of the Kaladesh of of the Kaladesh uh, sets, but hadn't really gotten any characterization. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think they were in like two sentences in uh, the Kaladesh block somewhere, but yeah, it was, it was good to see more of them. And, and and to see like the the Gonti's heart lore was was cool mm-hmm. too. I've been obsessed with that card for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was funny. I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, Reinhardt isn't just going for Dominaria deep cuts. We're gonna get a Kaladeshi deep cut here. Oh Excellent. my god, I I uh, I can't tell you how many. I I re- okay. Th- let's see what I read. I actually read several of the Harper Prism novels when I didn't need to, but I, I did because I wanted to. And then I read all of the artifact um, cycle. Uh, and then I didn't, I kind of didn't know where to go. And then I started listening to podcasts. So I listened, I started listening to your podcast. I started listening to um, oh, 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 the we old... have a podcast. I know. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> what are we oh, doing God. now? We should get um, the word out. then i started listening to the old dominaria podcast that they made when the dominaria set came Mm -hmm. out oh with ethan and kelly yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. um and uh it it there was a i i know exactly what it was it was uh brian uh on this podcast you guys were talking about teferi it was there were a couple of episodes that were about teferi and uh it was really funny because you were talking about that scene where Teferi and Jota were coming to almost to blows where uh, Jota was, uh, I think it's in uh planar chaos. chaos. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and after like kind of going through that and being like, Oh yeah, Teferi was a jerk. He was, he just really, really, you know, bossy and annoying and, and not respectful. <laughs> and Brian goes, but but he's right, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm like, oh, wait a second, maybe he's that's kind of like, and then I started seeing how you know Teferi and him really do match up in so many ways, and Joda's like, you're the heir, so I really wanted to hit that hard of like he's thinking about this, he's thinking about, I, I, oh my god, I criticized this guy for so long, I hated him for so long, but I'm marching down the same road as he is and that casts a paul that casts uh, a shadow over all these characters who didn't even know him you know who they're engaging like sahili um took play t- took part in war of the spark but uh you know that was that was not like this is a different scale than she has ever experienced kaya this is a different scale than she's ever experienced uh, even even Elspeth, a different scale. Even Nissa, you know, only Teferi knows what is in store and it's horrifying to him. And he's trying to be more respectful of everyone he's working with because he knows he knows number one what Urza did to he, you know, I'm sure I'm sure Wingrace and Freilius were like, you know what Urza did uh, at the end, yeah. Um, but also that 
Teferi himself, you know, when you when you read uh, Time Spiral, um, like he very much was like, uh, okay, uh, Freilis, go do this. Oh, Windgrace, do do this. Yeah, you're probably gonna die, but you need to do it. You know, um, <laughs> and that is a very Urza way to be. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and so I wanted to really hit that hard. Um, hopefully that that came through <laughs> oh absolutely what one of my favorite one of my favorite quotes in magic history is that dressing down joda gives to fairy and like imagine being called out so hard 60 years later you're still thinking about it right yeah like, <laughs> but no you did what i really appreciate and this was pretty i think this ended up being pretty organic to the story is like urza really had a shadow over the whole story despite not appearing and despite mm-hmm. not necessarily name checking him every five minutes uh but like all these characters and things that were shaped by him um between karn and tezzeret and tezzeret not knowing who ursa was that's mm-hmm. also one of my favorite things to do is like we got to remind people that like half the magic you know every enfranchised magic player knows who urza is but like in the multiverse like unless you're from dominaria you don't know who this guy is <laughs> and the multiverse is huge mm-hmm. and, and it's you know infinite so it yes we we have characters like tazaret who know a lot um but everything urza did was like however many it was what, like a thousand, two, three hundred years ago. Yeah, three hundred years ago, and that's Old when he year. died. Like most of what he did, you're right. It was thousands of years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I do credit uh, time streams with that idea of uh, Urza's Children of Fury, mm-hmm. which is actually the the lecture that Joyra gave. Joyra, you know, was like Master Malzra. I think she was still calling him that. Like, we are your children of fury. And I'm like, oh, that's fascinating. I really like that. There. Uh, so we talked a little bit about Sahili. Uh, we've talked a lot about Teferi. Uh, we've talked about the Tezzeret story. Let's talk about um, Elspeth. Okay, so for Elspeth, uh, for, well, for all these characters, I read everything that they appeared in. Um, so for <laughs> you're, Elspeth... You're a crazy man, yeah. <laughs> for Elspeth, you know, yes, I did read quest for karn did you Um, read about the meat holes though reinhardt did you read about (laughs) that's all it is it's just non-stop (laughs) but um you know i kept on coming back to i think it was was it honor bound where bound is a very good yeah very good early elspeth story where it showed um it was like the first uh depiction of that kind of torture column that that appears again mm-hmm. later on and that, it really uh, is that the first webcomic from uh, uh on alara on band yeah, yeah that's the one about elspeth from alara mm-hmm. yeah yeah i like that one and with her and Aaron. and the the imagery was really important to me in, in shaping her and and i actually watched all the old uh trailers so that the trailer for i think the trailer for the the mirrodin block or the New Phyrexia block, or it was it was something, but it could have been Theros, where you see uh, an image of of young Elspeth, and you know there's like a Phyrexian claw that like drops into view, and and then um, I think it's one of the Theros ones. Yeah, I think you're right. But um, so as I kind of tried to construct who she is, I found that for me there was uh, a big gulf um, that, you know, was pretty important, which is her clawing her way out of the underworld. Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, this is one thing, one thing that prompted me to kind of write the first draft of the story, write a a very long first draft of the story that included these um, kind of choruses. I called them the Ashiat choruses. And mm-hmm. and I put a note at the top saying, I know it's long. I always go long. I always go long. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, no. no I'm not. <laughs> he's not kidding. <laughs> yeah. and, I'm saying uh, that in a playful way. Yeah. And um, I said, I, I know it's long. And, and 
please feel free to tell me to take them out. But I needed to get in touch with that mo- those moments in in Elspeth's you know recent history because I think they're really important. And uh, mm-hmm. and um, I I just I didn't feel that I could convey who she was without it. Mm-hmm. I guess. And to my surprise, honestly, uh, you know, uh, Miguel came back and was like, "No, we like it." And I'm like, "What? Yeah. Oh, okay." <laughs> It was, I mean, so here's, here's the issue. And here's why it was so great is even though this is, this letter is written from Ashiok's point of view. So it's not necessarily all canon Ashiok's revelations in there. We, we, we let them be, uh, because this is Ashiok and they are, they, there's, you know, a very good chance they are messing with Elspeth in some of this. Correct. But, you know, obviously like. There has not been uh, New Capenna dealt with Elspeth, but it didn't really give you the full breadth of her backstory in dealing with Phyrexia and loss and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so when Reinhardt came up with this uh, and I was reading through it, and I'm like, this is perfect. This is mm-hmm. like an amazing Elspeth info dump, but delivered in such a way that, again, as we were talking about earlier, it's like. It's not just a story summary. It is like very flavorful and fun and ominous because of who wrote it when you find out at the end, right? Like, uh, it works so good. So good. It was very much inspired by the trailer. I watched the Theros Beyond Death trailer like 20 times. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, the secret's in there. The secret's in there. It's in there somewhere. I know it. And then I was like, okay, <laughs> there's a letter from Ashiok. Let's do it. <laughs> what's also great is it lines up so nicely with the lost confession which is this right elspeth letter that she writes about herself to a johnny and then she throws in a damn swamp or something yeah do you did you intend for this to be a letter that like elspeth actually gets and reads or is this just like ashiok writing in their diary i actually envisioned it as the substance of the dreams that mm-hmm. um Elspeth is having when she says, you know, when I lay down to sleep, the, you know, the spirits of the people I failed haunt my dreams. And so this is kind of a manifest, uh, kind of a way to manifest that. Mm-hmm. I, I, Ashok is one of my all time favorite characters to write. They are the, the juxtaposition between, uh, I am bringing your nightmares to life and feasting on your screams and the uh everything i do is precise and delicate and artistic and beautiful and grandiose um and having having those nightmares kind of manifest as like a letter uh oh so good it was so this is i love i just it's so good i love ashiak so much it's so perfect it's so good it's such a good foil to Elspeth um, or not to her exact. How am I trying to explain this? There's a person Elspeth wants to be and wishes she was and people tell her she can be. And then there's the person Elspeth fears she is and wallows in. Um, and, the Ashiak letters just get to like sit in the deepest, darkest corners of Elspeth's doubt and depression yeah. and fear. Um, and, and it's Elspeth writing that I've like wanted to do myself for so long, but then I write, you know, 10 word VO for an action game and I can't do that. <laughs> Cause yeah. she has to be like be in the middle of a battle and I can't have like, I'm like arena. I've got a lot of pushback on Elspeth VO for being too depressing and self-deprecating. And I'm like, ah, uh, so thank you, I guess. That's who she is in a way. Um, Yeah. And so like, I'm not in part of the word. I'm not in the arena where I can write that side of Elspeth very eloquently. So like, thank you so much for, for, putting the Elspeth that I've always wanted to write on a page. It was really, really great to read. And I I think one of the things that I wanted to key on was 
exactly how a jo- the news of Ajani hit her and how it how it hit her is it made her feel completely alienated from everyone else you know there's a real spirit of camaraderie with Teferi and everyone else and she comes in and she's rocked by this news and she the her first thing isn't to scream it's just tell everyone it's it's kind of to say get away from me like you don't know like you don't know you don't know anything about what's going on you think your plan's going to work it's not going to work you know and it takes for me it takes to ferry this is to me this is where to ferry and urza differ and i credit completely credit and and uh i can't say enough about how important um the multiverse and review blog is or was wonderful yeah was for me like number one like if if i could use a a magic the gathering metaphor then i would say that there were times when i was writing and i I couldn't really talk to you know i i like to talk to writers and other my colleagues in depth about like what i'm writing i couldn't really do that so i would kind of like read that plug over and over and over again to kind of like because Baron is such an empathetic reader. He is so generous as a reader and really explores the nuances of all these characters. And man, he does it. He does it because he enjoys it. It's amazing. And um and and so his one of the the things that he pulled out about Urza is that Urza runs into trouble when he's not anchored to something he he is is he even has some sort of affinity for. So it's Zancha, it's Karn, it's uh, Mishra. When he's not in the presence of, of people like that, um, and there are very few, uh, then he goes haywire. Then he starts to spiral out of control. And that's that's kind of what Teferi doesn't do. He has a daughter. He has this this desire in himself to do the right thing even if it it doesn't seem to be the most efficient thing or even the most effective thing but he's like i have to remain who i am and try my best as me as this person i can't give up i I can't turn to the dark side thinking that that is the best way to go even if it's more effective even if it maybe the some crazy plan to blow up you know, everything would be better. He has to be grounded and anchored and opening himself up shows Elspeth. Oh, he understands. He understands. I'm not alienated from him because he gets it. And that's kind of that conversation at the end of the first story. That's what I was hoping to kind of reach. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this also ties back into the Chandra moment is, is, Elspeth gets to meet, like, the one other planeswalker who actually understands what losing a Johnny is like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and the, the moment of, of, hey, I may not know these people, but I'm not as alone as I thought, um, is really yes, great for her. absolutely. Um, and, uh, the the whole battle scene with Joda and like a guy she has like no reason to trust no reason to relate to and um the the way her confidence and connection with with this whole team builds and that allows her and Joda to go out and fight together is is really great uh and now you know she's gonna be part of this whole strike team to new Phyrexia mm-hmm. um and uh yeah it kind of kind of so side note yeah uh joda is written so incredibly well in these stories i didn't even think of it this way but i saw someone post it that like i don't remember from where but joda is at his joda is written at his best when he's written as like the doctor because he's this ancient powerful wizard but his power like he can do a lot of stuff, but his power is like, like cutting right through the BS and seeing who someone is, mm-hmm. and like so his interactions with like Chandra and Elspeth uh, were just written fantastically because he saw through 
all of the nonsense and saw to Elspeth's like core and knew who she was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that bat that made that battle moment where you have them basically cast Jaya's immolating inferno, uh, yeah. but, with, but with a lot of white, right? Like they tap yes. two mountains and then a whole bunch of planes, a whole bunch uh, of planes. <laughs> I, I do want to say that that moment made me emotional. Uh, mm-hmm. I, so when Jaya died in the Dominar United story, a lot of the discussion was about how like Jaya didn't really have a lot of time to develop in that story and she just kind of dies and it was a little sad, but it was like, it didn't feel very, like it felt more shocking than anything. And the discussion that Chandra has with Joda and like when they're talking about Jaya's death was very sad. But the moment when Elspeth casts the Immolating Inferno with Joda's help felt to me like this is the send off that would have made me cry for Jaya if this was like the story being told at a, a funeral, you know? This is where I would have started breaking down in tears because it felt like that was the send-off for Jaya that I wanted, where it's like, hey, yeah, she's dead, but like she left something behind. And what did she leave behind? A whole lot of fire. Like, <laughs> that and is... I- yeah. yeah, I absolutely thought that that was a really great opportunity to kind of, um, well, w- <laughs> again, I can't help myself. Uh, it was a great opportunity <laughs> for, to, for for A, Joda to show a, a magic spell that's that is cast from an amulet, just like Garth One I did. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it was also a really great moment where I felt that it was a way that for Joda to kind of be able to, like he was so helpless in Zaminari United stories. Like, and, and that was, I mean, that was one of the strengths of the story, which is like that she was there and then she was gone. I just, you know, I just got you back. What a, what amazing line, right? That Langley High did. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought this was a great opportunity to say, like, one more, just one more time, you know, um, for, for old time's sake, you and me, and Jaya, and, and, and Elspeth will help us, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was a really cool way to kind of bring them together. Yeah, I, uh, the the Jaya through line throughout all of these stories is also really excellent. I think that's something we were all very aware of that, like, okay, we we understand we had we had five stories jaya dying is in the last story there's not really a lot of time to decompress with it like i think it was a really really good move to just leave the modern brothers war story open-ended so it can just give all of those plot points room to breathe uh and so between like the 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 drinking and they're all mourning they're ajani and jaya uh, and you're getting a sense of where everyone's headspace is, and then to this last moment, like, I, I mean, I, I almost, I knew this was coming, but even just reading it on the page, I'm like, fuck yeah! And then I'm like, <laughs> okay, well, now here's my note. Now that I've gotten my, my hell yeah out, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's just, it's, it's a great moment of, uh, again, like this unified strength, and like, not to have a lit degree, but let's get like intertextuality <laughs> here. Um, All right, like. We, we've we've mentioned like synthesis moment for the episode there's like the shadow of urza is kind of cast over these future stories um teferi exists as part of urza's uh legacy lowercase l legacy um and and has to grapple with that um the other side of the stories Miguel's stories are dealing with like the horrors of the war that urza wrought um, you, you know, we are once again facing down the threat of a Phyrexian invasion, so we have callbacks uh, to Invasion Block when Urza gets a Planeswalker team together to invade Phyrexia. Hey, look, uh, do we, we have a remix of this. And just the stark differences between um, Urza's aloofness, his sense of superiority, his disconnect to the people around him... Yeah, there are people who grounded him, but they they were never they were never people people who I guess they grounded his ego within himself, but never grounded him to the world around him. Um, and yeah, I think that's like fair. like what are the strengths of the characters in in your stories here? It's the strength of human connection. 
uh, not just between planeswalkers, but to Joda, to to the dead. We are grieving. Uh, grieving embodies us in this world. Um, the the sense of the the, the moment. I, I'm trying to remember the story exactly because I don't have it in front of me at this very moment. Uh, Elspeth was originally not on the strike team and then, like, volunteers herself at the end. I think is exactly how it goes, something like that. Yeah, she was I, I, She was not originally factored into yeah, yeah. Jace's plans because yeah. Jace didn't yeah. know about her at all. Well, what with being dead and why, all. Why would yeah. he factor <laughs> in a dead girl? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> And and so the the idea of that there is a person who wants to go along with the plan uh, versus um, like you you look at the assembling of the nine titans in the invasion novel and it's like hey no one's really sure about this people are uncomfortable with this Teferi nopes out of it Urza is like yeah you can bring a friend along we'll just kick Parcher out. And it's like a mess, and nobody's that having a good, crazy anyway. And nobody's having a good time. And then, like, you get to the Zot betrayal, and like, it's a disaster. It's a disaster because Urza can't connect with people, and the people he's talking to can't connect with each other. And and now we have like heroes and villains and antiheroes all coming together on one team. Um, and as as this like big overarching mirror, you know the Miguel stories, the the toll of human life because human lives don't matter in Urza and Mitra's war versus holy crap, one person isn't even dead; they're just corrupted, and we can maybe even save them. But the grief weighs on us so much, and just all of that gets to coexist and mirror. Uh, and it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Cool. <laughs> we're we are sort of running towards we're the hitting, end of our we're time. We're hitting the hour mark I, now. Yeah, I do want to uh, before we we get towards the wrap up. Uh, at the end of the last story, like Lorelai was saying, there's like a strike team forming. Uh, I I think I know the answer to this since this <laughs> is clearly like a throw forward to one. Uh, you didn't choose to put Luca there, did you? Who? Why, why is Luca on that team? <laughs> I, I can't answer why Luca is on that team. Um, there, are, like I said, there were several plot points that I had to hit, and mm-hmm. uh, be, making, <laughs> making sure that that we're prepped for what comes next. It, you know, was part of it. Uh-huh. Uh- <laughs> so I can answer that question, but I won't. Uh, I I can I can avoid answering that question by saying, "Gosh, well, I guess we'll have to keep reading Magic Story and Phyrexia all will be one in a couple months, huh?" Yeah, yeah, I think the answer the answer is forthcoming. So, so here's 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 what I will say that this is just kind of general about Luca, not specific plot details, but remember that Gideon Jara, kind of the military tactical leader of the Gatewatch, Whereas Jace was more of like a strategy guy. Uh, Gideon is gone. And basically none of the other planeswalkers there have experience leading like a unit in a tactical kind of situation. But before people say anything about Elspeth, you listeners, we already established she was dead and was not part of the plan. Exactly. Also, yes. she was a soldier in an army, not necessarily a strike team person. She was a it, knight yeah. on a plane, so she was a mercenary. Uh, but mm-hmm. she was a she was a mercenary who reported to someone in Pharos. Uh, on Bant, she was a knight in a highly ritualized combat area but also like again not part of jace's plan to begin with because again she was dead yeah. and everyone I mean, just like, learned she's alive it makes sense that luca would be there if you're like doing a strike team as like a leader of like what was essentially an anti-kaiju strike team oh we, uh, we, big fan of the copper coats god i love akoria i yeah. want to go back so bad me too i <laughs> you know i love akoria but yeah, I just, I was like, I need to let people know, like, this was not necessarily Reinhardt's choice to throw Luca into there. <laughs> yeah, Reinhardt in particular did not choose planeswalkers who are going to matter to the story going forward. <laughs> uh, Reinhardt did get to throw in a lot of amazing deep cuts, which we didn't even have time for. We had such a great discussion just on the general story stuff. We didn't talk about nines nonsense like... Real quick, though. 
real quick the sages of minerod my my armada <laughs> comics friends i i tried as hard as i can to get as many armada comics uh things in there I, sadly i was okay so about a month after i turned in the final draft i this is this has actually happened i woke up at like 4 a.m with a with a, a scene in my head i'm like Damn it! <laughs> I uh-huh. can can I can I put this in? But it was way too late. So it was imagine a volcano, right? There are dwarves at the at the bottom of the volcano. They're fighting against Brexians, and then coming from the top of the volcano are these beings of fire and smoke marching down as the Ash yeah. Warlords have returned. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, I think literally no one on the planet would have screamed as loud as I would have if that happened. I would No, no. So Reinhardt and I were talking as we were prepping and one of the things Reinhardt said is like if it weren't for me and yes, I'm sorry. I'll I will be the I'll take the bullet. I will be the villain in this situation. <laughs> Reinhardt would have written like five stories about loot loot niptal. Uh <laughs> Yeah, him. yeah. I, I my my I I would be loot niptal beating the Phyrexians with uh, nothing but a serpent generator. That's what it would have been. That's <laughs> <laughs> my boy! Yeah, that's what, I had to bring that one up at the last second, uh, just because I knew Lorelai's a big fan of loot. Uh, I, his two stories in uh, Tapestries and Distant Plains are I, some of the best magic short fiction I've read. They're really fun. Yeah, um, they are really fun. There is one one more deep cut uh, that I really appreciate, and and this is another appreciated the hidden information of is uh, Joda um, going into Urza's little pocket dimension and seeing pieces of Urza's like memories, uh, and and you see the Zancha, and then he sees another guy and is like, huh. It's Mishra. And I'm just like, no, no, that's that's Ratape. He was supposed to look like Mishra. And if you like you don't know the lore of the Planeswalker novel, it's like, okay, yeah, sure, he sees Mishra, uh, which is like perfectly believable. But if you know that he how this character was uh, pers- written in that novel, that he looks like Mishra and it's like really uncannily. So uh, it's like this like Easter egg within an Easter egg. Um, oh yeah, and and that that was a really fun detail. Yeah, I really um, Planeswalker is the novel I kept on gravitating toward because there's something about that novel that's very haunting. I really like it. It's really good, and I mean thematically for a story following up on the Brothers' War, Planeswalker is the other story that really followed up on that same legacy. So it's, mm-hmm. it's apropos, or however the hell you say that word. All right, let's move on to Patreon because we are out of time and I got to well, go help with bedtime. Th- there's one other thing we have to do before we wrap up. Reinhardt, <sighs> do you have anything you want to plug? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. As a yeah. guest on our podcast, <laughs> yes, do you have yes, like yes. a a story or like maybe like a nursing textbook or something we should be a nursing textbook no i uh, all i want to say is that the story team is made up of dedicated wonderful people who Mm -hmm. really love the story and also and who (laughs) (laughs) but you know and that we're so happy that people like the story and hold on to your hats you got you are not prepared no one is prepared no i I cannot stress enough that no one is prepared. Okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, the segue just here is like, hey, if, if if that comment scared you and you want to speculate about what the hell that means, uh, and, and you would like to find some wonderful friends while also supporting our show because you love us uh, and would like us to continue making it, uh, you can never do it. Yeah, I'm... Um, can speak you can head over to patreon.com slash the vorthos cast uh for as little as a dollar a month you get access to our discord community where vorthos is from around the world uh are maybe speculating about what luca's doing here what's gonna happen we have all these planeswalkers they don't all like each other vraska and liliana are in the same room by the way uh <laughs> and uh it's good stuff y'all uh yeah, so uh, we Brothers War is out soon. I think when this release. Uh, oh, yeah, I think is pre maybe when is pre is pre pre release will have happened. Yeah, I think pre release will have happened. I don't. Yeah, I don't know dates. I think pre release and then the set comes out. Uh, it's kind of a fuzzy barrier. And uh, now I know they so. moved the digital release. 
oh, cards will exist in various spaces at some point. Enjoy them. Uh, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> the tagline for Magic the Gathering: Cards will exist in physical spaces at some point and digital spaces. Um, I I've heard that you can play Magic the Gathering with digital objects. Um, yeah, no, that's it. Follow us on Twitter at the Vorthos Cast. Oh, there hold on, go. hold on. I have a special <laughs> Twitter guest ain't going to exist by the time this oh. comes out. I, I, I have a special guest who wants to help close out the the show. Oh, it's been a right. while. This is this oh, yeah. is this is Dia. Oh, Dia, <gasps> can you say guest. hello? Can you say hello? She's very confused about the voices in her ear. She's, She's trying like to look at you because I put the I have the ear nub <laughs> in it, but there's no one there. Uh, say hi, like Dia. She came walk. She came swaggering in. She turned one year old this week, and oh. she is walking with swagger and purpose. I. Jay, you gotta be careful with children's eardrums and putting headphones on a child with a bunch of Italians in this call is, is This is rough. true. You say bah? She said bah. Okay. Well, <laughs> thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos Cast.